Welcome to Open Plaza, a podcast created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. Each episode, we focus on a topic that matters to you, whether you're in the field, the academy, or the clergy. My name is Stephen Dutrolio Coakley. Today, we bring you a conversation between John Rodriguez and Francisco Lozada about the Borderlands Institute. For more information about today's talk, go to htiopenplaza.org. Welcome to the HCI Open Plaza podcast. I'm John Rodriguez. I'm, I have the pleasure of joining Dr. Francisco Losada, the Charles Fisher Catholic Associate Professor of New Testament and Latino Latina Church Studies at Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth, Texas. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. So we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what you do at Bright Divinity School. So what is it that you teach there and how are you involved? I teach in, in two, um, two areas. I do courses in New Testament studies, um, also courses in Latino, Latino church studies. Um, and the courses all vary depending on the, um, the semester, but um, on the New Testament side, I do courses in the area of, of hermeneutics or also called interpretation. And then on the Latino, Latina, Latino, Latina church studies um, area, I do courses on um, Latino history, uh, questions on uh, society, family, theology, um, and of course, current issues of the day, such as uh, immigration. I understand you're also the director of the Borderlands Institute. What do you do as a part of that role? The director uh, as Borderlands Institute, this was a, um, uh, we, uh, several years ago, we, we applied for a grant with this Luce um, Foundation for Theological Education, and they've um, been gracious to provide us a grant to um, do a couple of things, actually. It's, a, it's a mainly the Borderlands Institute is about bringing awareness about the myriad of issues related to the borderlands. Bright Divinity School um, has a history, actually, that reaches back to the borderlands. The founders were um, from the area of, known as Marfa, uh, Texas, and uh, we have um, links back to that particular um, region of the, t uh, of the state of Texas. But it's, uh, it's also bringing attention to uh, the greater borderlands, the peoples, the societies, the religion, the faith, um, economics, politics, uh, sexuality, human trafficking, all the related issues related to borderlands. Um, of course, these days, the, the main issue most people uh, uh, are familiar with is the, the, the big issues around uh, migration, immigration, people on the move. What is the mission of the Borderlands Institute? The, the mission of the Borderlands Institute is about uh, bringing, uh, again, um, attention to uh, the issues related to the border, but more importantly, the mission is about trans helping to transform our students into um, students who could um, transform their current society, their current religious communities, whatever institutions they're related to, um, um, in the future, uh, as as whatever their vocation drives them to, it's about bringing just um, bringing attention to social justice issues, um, um, bringing attention to these sort of things. Um, what we hope to do um, is that they become ambassadors um, on um, these issues that they could bring back, back they could bring back to their religious faith communities. Um, and um, transform their own respective communities, whatever that might be. Many of our students do not um, all go into faith 
work, um, I guess, um, churches, I guess, or religious centers. Some go on to social, become social workers. Some go into medicine. Some go into law. Um, and what we hope to do is, in many ways, take our mission of Bright and to combine it with the mission of Borderlands Institute, that they become, in many ways, spokespersons for the other that they have encountered on the border, but also who they encounter on on a daily basis. So that's that's what we're we're trying to do with the Borderlands Institute in many in many respects, it, it, shaping the respective ministerial work um, as well as our research in the future. So does this take shape in curriculum, in uh, trips, and how how do you guys actually execute on this? Yeah, one of the major components of this Borderlands Institute is the Borderlands Travel Seminar. This is a travel seminar where um, we invite 10 students to um, travel to El Paso, Texas. This year it happens to be El Paso, Texas. Um, And um, their um, travel is all paid for. Um, so don't have any constraints along those lines, but what we try to do is a travel seminar. So it's not a it's not a missionary trip. It's it's a it's it's sort of like taking the classroom out into the field, in many respects. And and I do this. Um, I co-teach the course with Dr. Irasema Coronado, who is the professor and director of the School of Transborder Studies, now at uh, Arizona State University. She helps in many ways um, arranging the logistics, um, the encounters with the experts on in El Paso. Mm-hmm. So we meet with a variety of folks, uh, social professors of social work at UTEP, professors of history, uh, political science professors, experts on border studies related issues, um, from um, economic issues, political issues, um, social issues of course, and then we also meet with a number of religious leaders when we're there. Much of the trip is framed around theological principles. Uh, those are the, that's the undercurrent that is welcoming the stranger uh, in many respects. It's, it's the undercurrent. Um, and then, as I said, it's a travel seminar, so it's more, it's, it tends to be uh, a bit more academic in the sense that we want to raise students' um, awareness of, of all the, the quantitative issues that are related to the border. Um, so they can be better spokespersons when they get back to, to uh, their respective communities in many ways. And so, but the, the travel seminar is also, um, the schedule is, is, is quite intense. It's, it's um, we meet for five days um, and uh, we do a variety of things. Uh, we did a border uh, wall um, tour with mm-hmm. the border patrol. Um, and we also visit a processing center uh, we visited migrant shelters. Uh, we met. Uh, we visit Cafe Ye, Cafe Mayapan, which is a women's empowerment um, 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 center. Uh, Hope Border Institute, run by the Diocese of El Paso. Um, visited a parish, um, and just a variety of other things um, that we've done. Uh, the Border Patrol Museum is another another interesting um, place that we visited. And we also try to give students some time to, to reflect upon their experience. Um, the first year that we went, students constructed their own lit, um, liturgy mm-hmm. um, one evening as a way to help reflect upon the, the many things that they have experienced um, 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 during this trip. And so it's, um, uh, 
the first year, if I if I it may speak about two particular instances yeah. instances that are quite interesting. The first year we visited a uh, processing center, and uh, many of our students were unaware of what they were about to to experience. I, I myself, and even Dr. Adesema Coronado, who's uh, has done all this research on border, was on this, wasn't expected to see this. We visited a. Uh, when we entered the processing center, we uh, encountered a young boy being who was detained, uh, caught, caught crossing the Rio Grande, and he was being processed. He was about 13 years old, and we all just sort of stood there stunned. Um, and to this day, his face is still in my mind. Um, that's how powerful the movement was. And we we then toured the processing center, and we saw the cells um, where they had um, uh, parents and children uh, detained in the cell and they all have this sort of aluminum blanket um, mm. that they use because the um, um, one of the questions that one of the students asked was why was it so cold well they keep it cold uh, it's an ice box in many ways and they say it's because it kills germs but mm. it's really the de it's a deterrence um, and it's a way to, to keep them not comfortable there in many many respects um, we saw a woman um, uh, who was pregnant in one of the cells, and I asked one of the Border Patrol agents, you know, what's going to happen to her? And, and in jest, she said, well, we're going to send her back as quickly as she can so she doesn't have her baby in the U.S. And we were mm -hmm. all in shock there. And we couldn't understand the dehumanization that was going on through the rhetoric that we experienced that day. Um, and so it was a very powerful moment, and we all went left that, <laughs> left that uh, processing center um, uh, in shock in many ways, but it, it, that's a good example of how you put the face, um, put a face to to many of these issues. Um, these are human beings, and we want to um, part part of part of this travel seminar in many respects is changing the narrative. Um, as we all are aware, the news media has a lot of control how we understand the other, understand the stranger, and it, and it's uh, and the news media in many ways have. Um, power to control, uh, control uh, policy as well. Mm. So um, again, this goes to the, to the mission of the program itself and the mission of Bright. And um, so that was just one particular instance of um, how powerful this travel seminar can be. I think what we've learned through these, um, this travel seminar in many respects is um, that this doesn't have to happen at the border. This could happen in many local scenes as mm. well. Mm -hmm. getting in touch and this is always a little tricky uh, in many in many ways you have to have some sort of trust with the relationship and um, um, with the community in many ways not everyone in the community is going to come out and talk to you uh, particularly when they're in the US and particularly if they're not undocumented in many ways so um, last year we had a very interesting experience we visited San Juan Diego migrant shelter um, I have a close friend in El Paso who's a priest, uh, uh, Arturo Banuelas, uh, pastor at St. Mark's Church Parish, and he granted us special privilege to get into a, um, a migrant shelter. And um, so the students that were with me were able to uh, have one-on-one -on -one encounters, dialogue with many of the Central American um, migrants who are seeking asylum in the U.S. Oh. And what was very powerful about this, he didn't. He asked us not to ask too many questions, and you know, asked to name their age and why they were coming. Um, they're all, they, they all are, were in the U.S. seeking asylum. Um, they had a court date, 
um, and they would have to expect they were expected to meet that court day if then if not they would be immediately deported they all had ankle braces um, and um, it's a good chance that probably 99.9 percent of them would not be um, allowed to stay in the U.S. But what was quite interesting is uh, Father Arturo also asked us to serve dinner to them. And right before the dinner was um, was eaten, um, we began with a prayer. Um, and they all began to pray um, in all their respective indigenous languages. Mm -hmm. And you had this cacophony of indigenous languages from Central America going on at once. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Everyone felt that they were right back at Acts two. Yes, um, yes. And and uh, it was it was it was an experience I will never forget. And and then Father Arturo um, stepped in and he finished the prayer in Spanish, and they mm -hmm. all knew the Spanish as well. And it's uh, of course. And uh, but that was a very powerful moment uh, there. But we learned a lot. We learned mm -hmm. a lot um, about why they're coming and um, and. You know that they they're here to, to escape um, the dangers that they were facing in Central America and um, all the other other things that we um, that um, most I think people don't really understand the causes that lead to people leaving nor even the what that journey's like mm -hmm. um, and then not knowing what they experience um, when they they arrive. If I may add one more thing, we, we met we, we met with a um, a professor at UTEP who specializes in social work, mm. um, and one of the things he, his specialty is actually trauma. And we met with him at UTEP, and one of the things that he helped us understand was how trauma impacts these migrants, the social psychological effects that these people are going through when they move when they leave the country, what they experience during the journey, and when they arrive. Um, in the U.S., but also the even he was even keeping us in mind that we are also experiencing some level of trauma, and he's I think he was correct because we can still I can still feel some of that um, that encounter I had with the migrants at San Juan Diego. Um, it's it's, um, it's 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 that's social psychological um, element that's sometimes missing I think in, in theological education in general, but. Um, but yeah, that these are the, these are the things that we try to do is, um, through this travel seminar is is get these students um, again um, having these um, encounters with these experts who are um, who are um, you know on a daily basis. Um, I mean, this is that that's you know that's their lab in some ways and and their research and whatnot. But they're all. What I find very interesting, with particularly with the social scientists, that they all had a religious conviction, mm. and they're all—it was the religious conviction that was driving their work, um, and that was something I think all of the students um, uh, realized as well. So, so what has the response from the students been like? I mean, in what way do you see mm -hmm. their work or their attitude toward these issues change afterward? Mm -hmm. The first year, I had this uh, Latino student actually who had done all this big missionary work in Spain, actually. He's, mm -hmm. he's from um, um, Oak Cliff, which is uh, it's, it's, uh, a predominantly Latino section of Dallas, actually. And, um, 
And uh, he's a Bright Divinity, of course, a Bright Divinity School student. And he, after the trip, he said, you know, I'm changing my vocation. I'm not doing that work anymore. I'm gonna, I want to work with migrants. I want to work with immigrants. And uh, he's fluent, of course, in Spanish. Uh, but he wasn't interested in the missionary work anymore, in the, in the traditional sense of missionary work, in the, in the colonial sense of missionary work. Yeah. He, his job in Spain was to set up churches for his, for his denomination. And um, he just totally turned around in that direction. I had another student in the first year um, from New Mexico, Latina actually, and um, she, um, I mean, in many ways she changed her vocation as well. I mean, wanted to work in the church and now is trying to do something a little bit more working with, with, with uh, la gente, as she says, my people. Um, and, um, and, and that way, I think it just brought some it, it brings a consciousness level um, to one's identity um, that perhaps has been repressed or hidden over mm -hmm. the years. And so um, I have another Latina student who actually um, um, uh, from, is from Brownsville, uh, grew up in a Pentecostal context, um, is now UCC, and she is, uh, uh, the, the student is, um, you know, is, is, is now doing work in Matamoros at, at times, crossing over and doing work over there as well. So um, so a lot of our students have, have done very interesting work. This past year, we have had two students um, who, as a part of their final project, spoke about their experience of El, El Paso as well. And, um, and uh, they put some videos together, and they did these sort of theological reflections upon their experience, and very powerful powerful videos that they put together and they're on our Bright Divinity School um, webpage mm -hmm. and um, again they're they're very um, they they change them in many respects in terms of how they see the other mm. in many ways they, they all have foundational of seeing the other but this what what the travel seminar does in many ways is help one see the other in a different way besides other things like changing the narrative and everything like that things like that. So um, no different than what one can make the argument that the gospel Jesus does to those who are, are following, um, you know, um, the gospel, I guess, in some respects. It's, it helps them to see things in a different way, helping the stranger and helping those who are of a need. And, and in some ways, it's, it's, that's, that's how it's similar to the... Um, how it ties into some of the theological elements of um, of our field, I guess, yeah. in my field, in a sense. So, one of the common themes I'm hearing you say is a, a humanitarian crisis of this scale requires an interdisciplinary response. That it's not mm. simply enough to bring divinity school students. We need mm. social workers. We need people mm -hmm. with all sorts of skills. Even the people who make the videos to mm -hmm. publicize this. Right. Have you seen a greater unity among? you know, I have this common mission, I need someone with these skills. Have you seen any kind of unification come together around this yeah, issue? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, I think what I've seen, and it's, it's what I've, I see in theological education in many respects is that it's, it's good to, we, we, can, we can document how many times it says helping the stranger in the biblical text. We can do all that. But what my encounter with with people, um, particularly those who hold strong um, views about um, 
those who are that migrants are not welcome in the U.S. What they need to hear are some other information. They mm-hmm. they really don't understand the history. It's one thing. They don't understand the the um, uh, the policies. They don't understand immigration law. They don't understand um, um, you know the the impact of migrants and health, for example. Um, how uh, bending over, doing farm workers' work, has caused for different um, medical attention. Um, and so it is, It is. I would argue in theological education is that we have to be in more dialogue with these other fields. Um, and, and part of what I'm trying to do is um, bring these other people um, together um, and collaborate and work together to, to, to make a difference in the world. I, one of the things I've really learned, I learned this through a political science scientist at, Kath, uh, at, at UTEP. Her name is um, uh, Kathy Stout, Dr. Kathy Stout, and she's a um, distinguished scholar. She's in retirement now, but distinguished scholar. And she, she said something one time at, at a luncheon that we had. We had a lunch meeting with her, and um, you know, and and she got me to think about this: that we can make change, but we don't try to make change all at once. Mm-hmm. You, you, you do it in small pieces. Yeah. Pick your thing and you work at it. And, uh, and she's a very good example of bringing groups together um, um, from the religious community to the social scientists and, um, and other groups to, to work towards alleviating um, or bringing consciousness to some of these issues um, that are related to the border, border um, and migration and whatnot. So. So it seems like the Borderlands Institute has come about at just the right time, just the most critical it, moment. It, it, it did, and it was. Um, it I wasn't expecting that, of course, it, with the with the um, the rhetoric that we hear in D.C. and the um, rhetoric that we hear on media outlets. I think there's got to be a counter voice, a counter script um, that's being that needs to be challenge, challenging what's out there. Um, and if not, then I think that it, it's, I, 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 I fear for, for, um, for those who are not welcome in the, in the country. And, and um, I think, you know, I'm hoping that we can change the hearts and the minds of more people to see the other in a different light and more humane light. Policy should begin with humanity, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my particular position on that, so. So you've done the, the difficult work of making the connections necessary for this to be a, a, an activist platform, uh, an educational platform. What do you hope the future is for the Borderlands Institute? Yeah, the Borderlands Institute, my future, the future I think I'd like to, you know, at one point I think we need to um, bring it to the local scene. Um, there's, there's um, you know, the, I like to talk, we talk about the borderlands, but the, I like to also use the term greater borderlands. This is a term um, that um, um, scholars have talked a little bit about. Uh, the, the greater borderlands are um, everything beyond the, the border, the, you know, the, the proximity of the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, but we have the border every, every day around us. I mean, you look at the, the, the kitchen staff. Mm-hmm. You look at the landscapers, you look at the roofers, and you, and you look at many other things, and uh, the border's there. Um, and it's, it's, it's about boundaries, it's about identities, and 
my hope is is to bring it to uh, in Bright Divinity Schools in Fort Worth, Texas. I like to bring it um, into the metro area, what we call the metro area there, and and try to help students um, meet experts in, in our area. We do have experts in our area who deal with this. I work with Catholic Charities occasionally in, da in Fort Worth. Um, there's other experts at, um, at TCU, Texas Christian University, um, um, as well as UT Arlington and other schools in the, in the related area. So it's, um, that's my goal is, is, to, uh, is to continue this down the road. This is fascinating work. I wish you all the best, and I thank you for coming in today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides these podcasts as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own and their appearance on this podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.